Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This episode of Bend the Knee is brought to you by Lady Jennifer. Hello and welcome to Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt, the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Ezra, the Watchful. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Uh, today we are into chapter 19, uh, John 3 of A Game of Thrones, and Baylor 1 uh, in A War of Ice and Fire. So, um, yeah, going to be... A- Gonna be a little interesting um, episode, yeah. Episode Baylor, because Baylor, of Baylor. Baylor the Blessed. He's a um, weird dude. In- interesting guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's a weird guy. Um, but uh, you know, uh, I always like to mention at the at the top of the show uh, if you have ravens or thoughts on the chapter um, or just theories in general, things you want us to talk about on Follow Up Friday or even in this episode on the main show, uh, send those to btkcast at gmail.com. Uh, we also have a, uh, um, a number, voice by number, 614-547-2350. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, all right, let's go ahead and head on over to the small council. So is there any kind of updates on life? I see you've lost the um, kind of head scarf you yeah. were wearing. <clears throat> well, you know, I, yeah, it's, I'm feeling a little bit better. Um, still kind of sore, but uh, for the most part... I, I think I'm I'm gonna be good today. So I mm. had like a nice little kind of vacation. Mm-hmm. Just sat around and watching the World Cup again. Mm-hmm. You know, really rooting hard for England now. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's about it for me though. Honestly, oh, well, we did some. I got a little home improvement stuff done last week while I was oh yeah in headgear. So tore up my shower and then you know uh, fixed up the bathroom a little bit. But yeah, yeah. So what about you? Oh yeah, and you know just took. Uh, Got, got tomorrow, well, today for the people listening, off work, just kind of had a nice little extended weekend here, went back, saw some family, you know, lit off some fireworks, been pretty, yeah, pretty solid, so. Nice. <clears throat> okay. Well, uh, kind of some interesting news here. This was actually sent to us by a new... Uh, I don't know if it's an. I think it's a. I think it's a new listener here. I want to pull up her name, which I did not do that. But it involves an Instagram post. Yeah, Mason mm-hmm. Williams posted. Uh, and uh, here, let me just uh, pull this up because it is definitely pretty interesting here. 
Um, I think this was sent to us by, is it, was this Alexis? Alexis, I want to yeah. say, Lady Alexis. Uh, let me pull, I'll kind of get these going here. Um, it's a picture, and she's wearing like jeans, and she has white tennis shoes, and they're like covered in what appears to be blood. Mm-hmm. Goodbye, Belfast. Goodbye, Arya. Goodbye, Game of Thrones. What a joy I've had. Here's to the adventures to come. Hashtag last woman standing. Yeah, what does that mean? Last woman standing. Does that mean Arya out on top, right? That's yeah, what everybody's they, saying. It is, yeah. Lady Alexa from uh, the Kingdom of Oregon, where I will be wow. moving to soon. Yeah, so. Nice. Uh, yeah, so really interesting um, because we know some people have already finished filming. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. then Arya finishes <clears throat> filming later. But, you know, sometimes it's just the way they organize scenes. And sometimes she's the last woman standing. Sometimes she might be the last woman standing. So just uh, really interesting. She could totally also just be playing a joke. Yeah, she totally could. Everyone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You might as well have fun with it. It's it's Game of Thrones. But so. Game of Thrones is now officially, the uh, filming, all of the filming has officially ended. Wow. So it's done. It's shot. Let's get this sucker cool. edited. Can they get that done in like two months? Edit that up. Oh, gosh. Just I wish. <laughs> So yeah, yeah. Be, so really interesting. Year. Yeah, thank you for sending that to us. Um, yeah, really interesting. Could yeah. Arya sit the Iron Throne? Good grief! I mean, <clears throat> like I don't know. It unless things really change, like you know, the Starks don't really have like a female sit. You know what I mean? Like like right. Arya Stark being like Lore Lady of of. I mean, she would <clears throat> she's Lady of of Winterfell, but is she? I don't know. I guess maybe she could be, you know? Well, here's the thing. is She could be the last woman standing. That doesn't mean that there's no men, other True. men standing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Daenerys could still die. Daenerys and Jon could still die. I actually still really like the idea of Arya and Gendry mm-hmm. sitting the Iron Throne. And then it would kind of, would be kind of full circle, bittersweet in that the Robert's Rebellion all started because Robert Baratheon wasn't wed to a Stark. Yeah. And then you would have Gendry, who is a Baratheon, wed to a Stark. Yeah. Well, and, then it's like, and then it's like, it all comes back to the way it should have been, maybe? Well, and it's also like, you know, Robert kind of saying, you know, that uh, I have a son, you have a daughter, daughter. you know? Yep. And then... <laughs> you know. Oh, there's tons of, like, yeah. pic- like, memes. Not memes, but, you know, like, people take pictures and they slice them yeah. together for, like other purposes yeah that'd be cool honestly be really interesting so all right wow well we'll we'll keep an eye on on uh, on twitter if you guys have if you see stuff on twitter instagram uh i follow all the cast and as much of the crew as, Mm -hmm. as as i can um on my personal Twitter, and so hopefully I can catch a few things myself. But yeah, it's neat to kind of get updates from them, and you know, it's just fun to speculate and and look in on because that's totally probably she did that on purpose, you know, to yeah. to make us to make people like Sir Matt and I sit here and go, hmm, mm-hmm. what's going on? So yeah, fun stuff. Yeah, any show any show news, Sir Ezra? I think mm. um, we are guys currently we're adding to the list of places where you can find us. You oh know, yeah, like we're now on Spotify and things like that. I th- yeah, Radio Public and iHeartRadio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, some other so pl- some other places you'll be able to listen if that's more so where you like to listen. So yeah, we just keep updating. It's just they're different uh, databases where we where we submit the podcast. So um, yeah, you can definitely check us out on iHeartRadio um, if you're on that because you know you, you never know somebody already listens there and they're like, oh crap, you guys are there too. Cool, I'll just listen mm-hmm. there. You know, yep. uh, type of thing. So there's uh, that. I also have. Um, 
I was going to save this for follow-up Friday, but I'll do it now. Um, I've updated the, the, the leaderboard. Sir Matt uh, helped me kind of structure it. and um, It's still through. under construction. It is still under construction. We're hoping to get some feedback you know, from, from folks, but mm. we've got uh, four people up there on the, on the trivia, trial-by-trivia leaderboard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so kind of neat. What we've got on there is like, like streaks, you know, like longest streak, first win. Current champion. Current champion, most recent, you know. Uh, win and things so it's on the facebook page you can go check it out i think i pinned it to the top mm-hmm. um you can go click on that it's just a google doc and you can see who the trivia winners are and then hopefully you know we do bury that trivia now in the in the friday show so people have a better chance of kind of getting in there and and hearing the trivia and then answering it as, mm-hmm. as quickly as they can so yeah and again podbean is the fastest way to get it as soon as it's uh, as soon as i click upload on podbean it's there within seconds mm-hmm. so yeah so all right, well, let's go ahead and head on over to Maester's study. We have uh, Baylor the First, a.k.a. Baylor the Blessed. Yeah, and uh, I always kind of do just a quick little recap for these, and then uh, Sir Matt will read us um, just the first little bit here on Baylor's chapter. It's not very long, but um, his brother, Darren Targaryen the First, the young dragon, or the boy king, as some would call him, but we'll call him the young dragon, um, was able to conquer, air quote, Dorne. Technically, he did conquer it. And, um, you know, but uh, there's rebellions and things and whatnot. He has to go back, as as often happens. Uh, Darren goes back and under a um, like a peace banner, a treaty, yeah. a truce, you know, banner. Um, he is there with some of his Kingsguard, and he is killed. And he is killed with Blackfire in hand, as, as uh, Lord mm-hmm. Adam Parker uh, mentioned in Follow-Up Friday, kind of talked about that. And... Um, uh, Aemon the Dragon Knight is there as well, <clears throat> wounded and kept. Uh, he's he's held captive <clears throat> in Dorne, and so now Darren's brother, uh, Baylor, uh, actually is going to ascend to the throne. Mm-hmm. And this is a strange fella. We've said it, you know. Um, he just does things a little a little differently. So, you know, I'll let Sir Matt read just a little bit, and then we can. Uh, we can dive into more of, of his discussion. Actually, last week we, we mentioned the Maiden Vault. And I talked about his three sisters. So Darren and, and Baylor had three sisters, um, Elena, uh, Reyna, and Dana. And they, I think Dana, well, Matt will read it here in a second. And we'll figure out his oldest sister, though, he ends up putting aside. Mm-hmm. And he puts all three of them in you know, uh, like secludes them away and stuff. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll get to that in here a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, just a weird fella. Yeah. Uh, news soon reached King's Landing of King Darren's death at the route of uh, his remaining forces. And the route of his remaining forces. The outrage that followed was swiftly directed at the Dornish hostages at the command of the King's Hand, Prince Viserys. They were thrown into dungeons to await hanging. The Hand's eldest son, Prince Aegon, even delivered the Dornish girl he had made his paramour to his father to await execution. The young Darren, or the young dragon, had never married nor fathered children. Accordingly, upon his death, the Iron Throne passed to his brother Baylor, a youth of ten and seven. Baylor proved to be the most pious king in the Targaryen dynasty, and some say that the history, and some say in the history of all the Seven Kingdoms. His first act as king was to grant pardon to the Dornish hostages. Many similar acts of piety and forgiveness followed throughout Baylor's ten-year reign. Even at even as his lords and council cried for vengeance, Baylor publicly forgave his brother's killers and declared that uh, he, because he meant to bind up the wounds of his brother's war and make peace with Dorne. 
Uh, as an act of piety, he declared he would go to Dorne with neither sword nor army and return their hostages and sue for peace. And so he did, walking barefoot from King's Landing to Sunspear, clad only in sackcloth while the hostages rode fine horses behind him. So, <clears throat> um, it's pretty hot down there in Dorne. Oh, yeah. And he's just going to walk it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, by himself. There's actually a great, um, I, I posted a, a link in the on the Facebook page to um, George Martin talking about the um, the artwork in this oh, yeah, book. And there's actually a nice little picture here of him just like walking, you know, out in like the desert down the Boneway. And he's walking all the way. Does he walk all the way to Sunspear? I think so, yeah. What the heck? I mean, anyways, just a weird dude. And he, I mean, well, okay, I mean, that was my take on it. So if you are a Baylor the Blessed fan, mm-hmm. let me let me just say <laughs> that that perhaps for um, uh, for Sir Gus comes. Yeah, yeah uh, we're just messing. You no, know, you know, so he actually messaged us, and it was like, guys, I didn't. Oh, mean, it was Sir, like we were just messing. I yeah. know, Sir, Sir Gus is cool, um, but. I, I gotta, I gotta have you know people keeping. I, I people need to watch Sir Ezra the Watchful, yeah. you know, because I I can go on some tangents, um, and down some rabbit holes. But here's the thing, though, he, I, I think it talks later on that he has had a vision that he has. He's very uh, devoted to the faith, and if you think about it, you know, he probably assumed that his brother, um, and this is where I am speculating. This, I think mm-hmm. this makes sense, but like, Darren, you know, if if you're if, if Sir Matt is my older brother and he is he's king. You know, I'm not, I'm thinking you're going to have kids. I'm way down the line. Kind of like the, mm-hmm. the hand of the king right now is Viserys, mm-hmm. you know, and, and he will become king later, as we've mentioned, but he is a second son. You know, I would be compared to you like a second son and I wouldn't be planning on, you know, mm-hmm. wearing the crown. And so he probably, a lot of them, kind of like uh, Maester Eamon at the, mm-hmm. you know, at, at the Night's Watch, they plan on getting in involved in either the faith or mm-hmm. some other, you know, thing. Like, Bran wants to become a knight. He's not mm-hmm. worried about him ever having to well, look rule at, Winterfell. Look at Egg. I mean, Egg. Right. That's why he's called Egg the Unlikely. The Unlikely, yeah. And he's chosen. Like, exactly. Yeah, so. Yeah. So, it's just interesting. I, I He probably had all these plans to go into the faith and be, you know, like, a big deal there. And then, like, all of a sudden, he has to become... He was probably, you know, started down that path while Darren is you know, um, King. And, uh, and so now he's, he's having maybe talks with different septons and stuff like that. And it's, it's also, like, he's fully adopted the, the faith of the seven. Oh, absolutely. You know, so he's, he's definitely, um, big into that, but yeah, he's walking down to Dorne and he's, he's going to go, um, basically treat with and, and talk to the, to the Dornish and kind of win them back over, take their hostages to them. And then hopefully he'll get our, you know, the dragon knight back, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and this this is something I want I want to point out right here, and this is something that we talk about a lot when it comes to the telling of just the whole thing, the world of ice yeah. and fire, the song of ice and fire, the whole thing. There are many songs of Baylor's journey to Dorne that found their way out of septories and mother houses to spill from the tongues of singers. Mounting the stony way, Baylor soon came to the place where the Wills had imprisoned his cousin Prince Aemon. He found the Dragon Knight naked and in a cage. It is said that Baylor pleaded, but Lord Will refused to free Aemon, forcing his grace and said to offer a prayer for his cousin and swear that he would return. Mm-hmm. So yep. I just want to say this because they kind of bring this up a couple times later, and that's how there are many songs of Baylor's journey. So even in this chapter, there's a part later where they talk about 
what actually kind of happens, he comes back and tries to get Eamon out. And we can actually, we can actually just kind of, I can, I can kind of skip to that because it's not, it's not that yeah, far later. Yeah. So later he comes back and, um, they kind of realize Doran kind of realizes they should let him get him out, but they don't want to do it. You know, Doran is like unbowed and bent, unbroken, right? But they don't want. They they act like as hospitable as possible because they don't want a war to break out, right? And actually, real quick on that because I know you're, you're about mm-hmm. to uh, take off with with the dragon knight, but Viserys, the hand of the king, I think they were more worried about, about him. Him, yep, yeah. So they were like, let's treat this king like this is strange it was strange to them you mm-hmm. know um they weren't sure what he's no threat mm-hmm. walking down here like that you know yeah yeah right here some of the dornish court felt that prince viserys would take it as a new cause for war it when mm-hmm. not uh, not if baylor died upon the road um because they felt he would die walking yeah. back and forth well they yeah. would know right yeah. i mean yeah mm-hmm. so um Essentially, what happens is he he gets back and they give him the key. Yet instead of freeing Aemon himself, this is uh, Will, Lord Will, he gave Baylor the key to Aemon's cage and an invitation to use it. But now, uh, not only was Aemon naked in a cage, exposed to the hot sun all day by cold wind by and cold wind by night, but the pit had been a pit had been dug beneath the cage and many and within it were many vipers. Mm-hmm. Dragonite is said to have begged for the king to leave go get um, aid, but Baylor is said to have smiled and told him that the gods would protect him. Then he stepped into the pit. Yeah. Later, the singers claimed the vipers bowed their heads to Baylor as he passed, but the truth is otherwise. So there you go. That's, that's a very important, uh, you know. Yeah, read that one more time. Was it? Later, the singers claimed that the vipers bowed their heads to Baylor as he passed. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But yep. the truth is otherwise. And I'll, right. I'll come back to that. We'll finish here. Uh, Baylor was bitten by half a dozen times while crossing to the cage, and though he opened it, he nearly collapsed before the Dragon Knight was able to thrust open the door, pull his cousin from the pit. So, and then uh, Baylor kind of just picks him up and leaps, leaps, gets out of there. Um, but so, the thing I want to <laughs> emphasize here is that line. Later, the singers claimed that the Vipers bowed their heads as he passed, but the truth is otherwise. So here you have, we have many songs being told yeah, and things like that. And you'll, you'll hear it in, in a lot of the Sansa chapters, especially um, when Sansa's talking to like uh, Lord Baelish, when she's talking about, when Baelish is kind of talking about the truth of history and Sansa's like, well, that's not what the songs say. And he's kind of like, well, mm-hmm. like yeah. you're pretty dumb. Like it's right. basically what, basically what he calls her. And so that's the thing is where we, we, we say this a lot. POV is everything. Who's writing this book when you're talking about the histories and what is being told and Sir Ezra brings sure. it up, the unreliable narrator, yeah, all these things. So, Well, you know, I mean, what's crazy is, so so, you, so real quick, Gur will do that, right? He'll, yep. he'll the Sansa, who is like, believes in the songs. You're right. You mm-hmm. says it all the time. You know, she's talking about the, the stories and the songs that she's heard, right? The only stories that, end up being super kind of true though are old nan's tales yeah you know i mean so it's like you're led to believe like oh don't trust the stories and the storytellers and the songs you know the right all this whatever all this hoopla but there's old nan you know telling telling her stories you know and and they're they're coming true so Mm -hmm. anyways just kind of but they're laced with there is some truth in, in a lot of the it's just it's been either diluted or things it's just you know legends being passed down uh, and, and mm-hmm. stuff. So, and, and honestly, 
Aemon the Dragonite is a pretty big deal in the kingdom. Oh, he is. And so yeah. that's one of Baylor's biggest accomplishments is that he went in and he was able to, you know, rescue him in a yeah. sense. Although Aemon has, the Dragonite ends up having to carry Baylor because Baylor had been bitten right. by so many different serpents. And yeah, was he's, he's, one of those, he's one of those snake walker people or yeah. you know, whatever. Good so. grief. <laughs> so anyway. Um, uh, Prince Aemon carries Baylor halfway down the Boneway before a village septum in the Dornish Mountains gave him clothing and an ass on which to carry uh, the comatose king. Eventually, Aemon reaches the watchtower of the Dondarians uh, and then was conducted to Blackhaven where the local maester carried the king as best he could before sending them on to Storm's End for further treatment. Yep. Yeah. And so um, he's kind of, you know, he kind of regains consciousness and kind of stuff like that yeah. at, at Storm's End. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, and, and basically the only the before we because we have a little bit more to get through, we'll come back to the Maiden's Vault here. But like his next biggest thing when he comes back is just that he was working on um, the what we know as the like the, like the, the sept, sept of Baylor, Baylor. Yep. you know, this, this great sept on on Vicinia's Hill. Um, and so he starts that construction, never finishes it. Um, I'm just kind of summarizing. You might want to read some of this if you want. That's that's fine. Oh, but, yeah. I don't really have. Yeah. Just, okay. Yeah. Th- then there's the whole piece where he, um, it's kind of like, uh, it parallels like the High Sparrow a little bit, except for um, right. the High Sparrow's much older and, and the boy. Um, king Tommen. Well, yeah. And yeah, exactly. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and being a boy king. Because um, he elects or he, he. Is, is pushing for this young boy Septon who's doing miracles, the youngest to wear right. the crystal, uh, you know, crown, and was said to do miracles in the streets and stuff like that. So he really liked that idea, and you know, um, kind of pushes this this young boy forward, you know, to be the the head of the faith. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. that was a, that was another big thing that he did. Um, and then, really, he spends a lot of time fasting. Because he, he does. Because Baylor starts to think that he has to put it upon himself to save the realm for the, um, like the the sins. I guess you know, like the, yeah, like yep. he's, he's like I'm going to have to take that. Yeah. Towards the end of his reign, Baylor began to spend more time fasting than praying, attempting to make up for all of the sins and offenses he believed he and his subjects were committing against the seven on a daily basis. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he, yeah, he feels a great burden there, and he's also kind of healing the faith, like the like this. What, what there could have been some animosity between, you know, the faith and the Targaryens and their, mm-hmm. um, you know, their their incest and their mm-hmm. um, marrying more than one person at at a time, having two wives type of thing. So they're kind of, you know, maybe he's trying to heal some of that or whatever. But yeah, um, so I don't yeah. know. I also just feel like it's it's a path he started down early on under Darren's reign and then just continues, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah, let's go, let's go ahead real quick. I guess, um, we'll talk, do you want to talk about the maiden vault and then jump into how he dies and his kind of sisters and then how he dies? Oh yeah. Yeah. Go to the maiden vault first. Okay. Yeah. Um, Baylor went further by placing Danea and her younger sisters, uh, uh, Rania and Elena into their own court of beauty within the red keep and what came to be called the maiden vault. The king announced that he wished to preserve their innocence from the wickedness of the world and their lust of the, of impious men. But some wondered if he did not fear the temptation of their beauty on his own behalf. Um, the Viserys, uh, the, uh, the princess themselves and other members of the court protested. The deed was done and the princesses were cloistered away in the heart of the red keep accompanied only by maidens, 
that lords and knights sent to the Red Keep uh, to curry favor with Baylor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's just kind of has some. Just kind of, I think this is where he kind of starts going off the deep end a little bit. Um, he also outlaws prostitution in King's Landing. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Said more than a more than a thousand whores and their children. Uh, it says were rounded up and put out of the city. Just kicks them out of, yeah. of the city. Yeah. Now there's some craziness. Yeah. Right. I mean, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of the, when you think it's different, but it's kind of like when Daenerys says, hey, let's outlaw slavery. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just the way it had had always been. So, Uh, yeah. Okay. So let's go. I guess we can kind of talk about his death a little bit here. Um, the eventual birth of Damon Waters, the natural child of Danae Targaryen by a father she refused to name, but whom the realm later learned was none other than her cousin Aegon, while he was still a prince, led to another fit of fasting for the king. He had already, he had already nearly killed himself some years before when he fasted for a moon's turn following the deaths of his cousin, Princess uh, Nairas, twins shortly after their delivery. This time, Baylor took it yet further, refusing anything but water and taking only enough bread to still the cries of his stomach. For 40 days, he kept his regimen. On the 41st day, he was he was found collapsed before the altar of the mother. Grand Maester Munkin did what he could to heal the king. So too did, so too did the boy High Septon, but the miracles were at an end. The king joined the seven in the tenth year of his reign in 171 AC. Yeah. Yep. So... Real quick, the there's a, a whole page kind of dedicated to um, the sisters of Baylor, uh, the Blessed, and um, Dana is considered the most famed of the three sisters, uh, and the most loved. Um, her her beauty um, is fierce. She's gorgeous. Uh, she's known as a skilled horseman, fearsome archer, um, with her Dornish bow. Um, her brother Darren had brought back from his conquest. Um, so she's she's a pretty cool character, and she's the one who ends up having, um, you know, uh, Damon Waters, Damon Blackfire. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So um, because she's in that in that maiden's vault, so basically, um, her cousin, the Baylor's cousin, Aegon the Unworthy, in his younger days, sneaks in mm-hmm. to the maiden's vault and uh, <laughs> yeah. you know hooks up with Dana Targaryen, and mm-hmm. that's really you know um, her big claim to th- fame there i guess mm-hmm. right the, the other two one actually becomes a septa and uh and the other one i'm not really sure I don't, i'm not sure what happens to to the other one i don't know if there, anything anything big of, happens anything, yeah yeah of, of significance nah it doesn't look like it um the 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 line like yeah. um the 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 plums you, you remember mm-hmm. how um oh is it is it Maynard Plum? Maynard Plum. Maynard Plum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that whole line of plums claiming that they have... Um, a claim, like Targaryen claim. Targaryen blood and stuff like that kind of comes from one of the... I think it's Elena, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it ends up kind of hooking up with, with some of the plums. And so there's that uh, some of that Targaryen blood in there, so... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's go ahead and move on over to the reread. Um, a recap from last week. We were talking about Catelyn Four. Catelyn and Sir Roderick arrive in King's Landing by ship at a secret meeting with uh, Peter Baelish and Varys. Catelyn is told the assassin's knife belonged to Tyrion Lannister. So this week we are into John chapter three. Um, so a quick. I'm going to do a quick follow up from John's last POV. 
Uh, John had said his goodbyes first to the comatose Bran, then to Rob, and finally to Arya, um, um, to whom he gives the Bravosi type sword, uh, needle. And now this week, uh, John three. After training, John Snow is attacked by several other recruits, but saved by Donald Noy. Interesting name. Uh, who shows uh, John the mm-hmm. error of his ways? Then John meets up with Tyrion and later learns um, that from the Lord Commander that Bran has awoken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, we kind of always break this down into a couple parts. Uh, this week you could really almost do a four parts. Um, you have John in the yard. Uh, John's kind of conversation with Donald Noy. John's conversation with. I guess Tyrion, and then uh, kind of the ending part uh, where he gets the news from Jor Mormont. Yeah, yeah. This this chapter to me um, was more about the um, like like the lessons that John learns. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, and it, and it, and it set and it um, just as like last week was Catelyn's chapter, and Catelyn's chapter kind of explains a little bit about King's Landing. This is kind of also a setup chapter to show you just what everything, what John's stuff and all the stuff later at Castle Black and the Night's Watch is going to kind of be like. Yeah, it, it um, for, for sure, yeah. There's You get to kind of see Castle Black. You get to see the, the brothers working together. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of flashbacks, too, where um, we, we talked to Benjen. Um, we even flashback a little bit to the way approaching the wall, you know, and it being, what, 700 feet tall and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and things and, and just... Um, how you know John reflects on the fact that Tyrion was the only one who was super honest with him about what what he yeah. would find there. You know, and Tyrion's never been there himself, but you know he kind of understands the the, the ways of things, and um, so yeah, tried to kind of prepare him. Um, but the, like the two big lessons, as you mentioned, you know, come from Donald Noy, which mm-hmm. in the which in the show is just reversed a little bit. It's not reversed; it's just, it's just subbed in with Tyrion. With, with Tyrion, which makes sense because the show would have to introduce a com- you know another character and he has this conversation with Tyrion like right afterwards and you have Alistair Thorne and Tyrion kind of talking. And so there's really just no need for it. And I think actually it's almost in the show. It's just, it's, I think it's just cool. I the way they do it with Tyrion because Tyrion and John kind of have that connection. And then yeah, way later, you know, Tyrion and it gives Tyrion and John some more chemistry between between them, especially since Don Onoy is gonna die. I mean, I don't know how he dies, but right. that's a good. Maybe some of our trivia contestants can tell us. Right? But, yeah, maybe uh, they can. Yeah, so. well, <laughs> it's interesting that you because we're, we're talking about Don Onoy, and you had said um, you'd ask those questions, and this is the this is the first opportunity we get to kind mm-hmm. of you know where he does have a chance to, um, as you said in the summary, kind of like. Uh, what's the, what's the word here? Show John the air of his ways, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of like guide mm-hmm. him along here, um, b- because it's it's not an easy life up here. And I think, you know, Donald is 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 harsh, but it's he's doing it for a reason, and he's mm-hmm. actually the the purpose there is to kind of teach him, you know, like this harsh truth that you're a, you're in their eyes a lordling, you know, and when you're out there, right. And you're not just doing sword. You're not practicing. You're not working with them. You're leg- you're just trying to beat them. And you've been trained by, you know, master at arms. And and you know, he talks none about, of these people have probably even held a sword, right. let alone had a master at arms. Yeah. And you get a little background on um, on Noy, and it's it's kind of yeah. neat to kind of hear about, you know, the life that he lived. And John, yeah, and he's a super cool character. Yeah, he is neat. You know, and it's interesting though that John kind of notes that like. Donald Noy has had this whole life and yep. then came to the wall. 
and he's he kind of holds that against him and some of his other other brothers who have like they lived a full life and that's kind of what Benjamin was trying to tell John mm-hmm. was that go live you know yep go you know have fun find a girl etc and then if you still feel like you want to come you know to the wall then okay yeah so and not to dive back into the Benjamin Stark thing but I kind of like I would love to know how Benjamin Stark decided to go to the wall. Yeah. You know, because maybe we'll find out someday that I think we will, but it, it just, I think we might get some of that in cold hands, you know, um, if that's, you the know, cold hands POV, maybe, maybe, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, just some conversation because there's gotta be more to it. He's, he's definitely, you know, I don't, I don't think he would have chosen, you know, maybe he knew more about it than John did. Maybe he understood more about what the night's watch was, you know, um, because he wasn't a bastard, you see. Right. And I think John being a bastard, um, I don't know that he's had a whole lot conveyed to him. You know, his mm-hmm. father's been teaching him things, but I, I don't know. It just seems different. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we start off and John is kind of training in the yard. Um, and he kind of he's injuring people is basically what happens. He's fighting with Gran. Uh, the bastard broke my wrist. The bastard hamstrung you. Opened your, um, opened your empty skull and cut off your hand. Um, or would have had these blades had an edge. It's fortunate that you that the watch still needs stable boys as well as rangers. Sir Alistair gestured at uh, Jaren and Toad. Get the aurochs off his feet. Uh, he has a funeral arrangements to make. And also, this is where John starts to get on Alistair Thorne's nerve. Um, and I actually think Alistair Thorne eventually kind of would have accepted John. Like I don't think like Alistair Thorne, Alistair Thorne specifically has anything from the get-go, probably against any of these recruits. He's like, I'm mm-hmm. going to train you, yeah. and then once you've earned my respect, you'll have it. Like, um, But John, you know, John's standing there, and he's got his hand on the sword, and he's like, that's that is a long sword, not an old man's cane. So Alex just said sharply, are your legs hurting you, Lord Snow? John hated that name. Um, the boys had picked it up, too, and he said, and John kind of says, no. He says, I'm tired. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I mean, yeah, he's he's a boy. He's fourteen, going on fifteen, or he is fifteen at mm-hmm. this time, and yeah, yeah. He, and he says, "What you are is weak." And he says, "I won." He says, "No, they lost." Um, and you know, John does kind of think that he's better than everyone. Yep. Um, for for a lot of reasons, and he thinks that just he he should be res- he, because he's winning, he should you know, prove himself. To he be should better. be getting praised almost maybe. Yeah. I mean, Sir Alistair Thorne is also a, mm-hmm. you know, if anything, I think John could actually have become really good friends with him because Alistair Thorne kind of, you know, similar. Well, it's, it's just more the reaction. It's, it's the reaction right. to Sir Alistair that, um, kind of sets him off. So when he, um, like you said, leaning on the sword, the, the things that he says back to him, um, it's his reactions that cause Alistair Thorne to go, I'm going to keep at this until I can kind of under make it. Because like, I, I'm imagining if I'm Sir Alistair Thorne, then I have some brothers who come in who I need to build up, give confidence to. And there are others who you need to knock down a mm-hmm. notch. And you have to fit into this uniform type of um, this brotherhood mm-hmm. where everybody's on evil or evil, even um, footing type of mm-hmm. thing. And I, I think that's really what his job is. And he probably sees... You know, John's showing us that he wants to be praised. He thinks he's better. He does. He just right. has some misconceptions. This is not what he thought. You know, even Benjamin later on mm-hmm. is going to tell him this is not Winterfell. You right. can't just demand to go north. You haven't earned anything. You haven't done. You know, these are my brothers. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's it's almost it would it would have been kind of disrespectful for Benjamin to say, "Yeah, come on, let's go." Mm-hmm. Like people have been like, "What?" 
you know, I mean, people, that's an honor. That's something people are working towards to become a ranger and to become, you know, uh, to be chosen by Benjamin to go north and, you right. know, and range. So, and he thinks he's kind of entitled to that. And it just takes people like, and he's, 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 he's young, you know, he's a youngster. It takes Donald Noy and Tyrion to kind of say, here's, here's what's going on. And, right. you know, by the end he gets it of this chapter, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. Interesting thing about Alistair Thorne, Sir Ezra, mm-hmm. uh, is he actually fought on the side of House Targaryen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he was given the choice by Tywin Lannister to take the black or black. die. Yeah. And so it's just kind of interesting that here he is talking to his rightful king. Just kind of just kind of interesting. But uh, so anyway, so then John kind of walks back to uh, the armory um, and which is where he kind of runs into Donald Noy and Donald Noy has kind of he's he's thinking about like the Night's Watch and stuff like that. Um, a line I have here, no one had told him the Night's Watch would be like this, no one except Tyrion Lannister. The dwarf had given him the truth on the road north, but by then it had been too late. John wondered if his father had known what the wall would be like. He must have, he thought, that only made it hers, hurt worse. Um, yeah. And then kind of, um, he's kind of reflecting on his conversation with Benjen. Three days after the arrival, John had heard that Benjen Stark was to lead half a dozen men into arranging into the haunted forest. That night, he sought out his uncle in the great timbered common hall and pleaded to go with him. Benjamin refused him and said, this is not Winterfell. He said, um, on the wall, a man only gets what he earns. You're no ranger, John, only a green boy with the smell of summer still on you. Uh, a boy you are and a boy you'll remain until Sir Alistair Soren says you are fit to be a man of the night's watch. If you thought your stark blood would win you easy favors, you were wrong. We put aside our old families we, when we swear our vows. Your father will... Always have a place in my heart, but these are my brothers now. He gestured with his dagger at the men around them. All the hard, cold, black. Um, then he basically says, I'm leaving. We'll speak when I return. Now, a lot of people think that the we'll speak when I return is he's going to tell him about his parentage, stuff like that. As I read it now, yeah. I kind of think it's just, you know, we'll talk when I get back about like the Night's Watch and perhaps you going yep. ranging. Yep. Yeah, and kind of see what you've learned and stuff. I don't think it has. Yeah, I was. I don't. When I read that, I don't think it's like he has some big revelation. He's wanting to tell, you know, John. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I don't. I don't think that at all. So. Yeah. Uh, interesting. I thought. I thought one of the things too, as we look at this, um, the the folks who he is you know, fighting here in the beginning because these boys come back in later and kind of mm-hmm. confront him in the room there. Um, Gren uh, is is the guy who he ends up kind of breaking his wrist, right? Mm-hmm. And we know Gren kind of from the show and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and things. He loomed over him, thick of neck, red of face, uh, with three of his friends behind him. Um, there's a character named uh, Totter who's actually called Toad. Mm-hmm. He's like this short, ugly boy with an unpleasant voice. And then uh, Yorin had, had brought up... Uh, two of the rapers. So on mm-hmm. his way, you know, to Castle Black, he ends up running across those two. And he doesn't name them here in this chapter. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, still interesting that those are the... Uh, Pip is mentioned somewhere as well, I believe, right? I think Pip's mentioned mm-hmm. in here too. So it's just neat. We're starting to get some of the different, you know, uh, characters and we're starting to, to see who his companions will kind of be going forward. Right now, they all hate him, you know, because of the way he's acting in the yard and he's embarrassing them. And... That is what, um, you know, I think I don't know if you're ready to talk about it yet, but like, like Donald Noy, you know, his kind of lesson to him is that 
<clears throat> you know, you leave them nothing, I think is the mm-hmm. phrase he uses. And by that, it's like he kind of shames them. He leaves them right. no no dignity, no, no nothing. Yeah, no know? one's going to want to go you know, yeah. up against him. Right. And so it's almost <laughs> like if you're a master swordsman and you know that you are, you don't need to go 100%. Right. You can go 60, 70 and beat them and then still leave them some dignity. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you're holding something back. Right. And you're, and you're, and that's what uh, Donald Noy kind of says is that, um, uh, get, get to it here. So, uh, Donald Noy says, so they, they kind of like attack John in the armory. Mm-hmm. Right. And in the show, Tyrion walks in, but in, in this, Donald Noy walks in and the Donald Noy's talking to him. Uh, and, and he says, something uh, something about like you're not training with them like you're uh you think you're better than they are mm-hmm. um yeah. Thought, yeah you've humiliated in the watch it's not i've watched you it's not training with you put a good edge on your sword and they'd be dead meat you know it mm-hmm. yep yeah and so that's kind of where john is is that he you know he would be like he's taken he's ta- kind of taken his anger and frustration out on out on these guys yeah 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 he's, he's pissed that he's that he's there and he does kind of have some vulnerable moments here with with donald noy and and just uh in the way that he has a back and forth like he doesn't like right. being called lord snow you know right. he doesn't like or the being, bastard you know you know them talking about his mother and yeah. he's like wait a second most of these to start talking about ned stark you know would never blah blah, blah. like his starts to mention his honor yeah, he yeah. cuts him off yeah right here yeah lord Eddard stark was not a man to sleep with whores john said uh, his honor, and then Donnoy cuts him off. That did not prevent him from fathering a bastard, did it? Mm-hmm. Uh, then John says, "Can I go?" And he says, "You can go when I tell you. Look at me when I'm talking to you, boy." Yeah. Um, yeah. This is not going to be a, a conversation that's ended, you know, on your terms. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Right here, you think you had it hard being a highborn or a high lord's bastard. The armor went on. The boy uh, Jaron um, is a sept is a septon's get, and Cotter Pike is the baseborn son of a tavern wench. Uh, now he commands East Watch by the sea. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, just uh, John says, I don't care. He's just being kind of a jerk. Um, life, as we kind of talked about, John repeated bitterly, the armorer could talk about his life. He had one. He had only taken the black after he'd lost an arm at the siege of Storm's End. Before that, he'd smith for Stannis Baratheon, the king's brother. Uh, he'd seen the seven kingdoms from one end to the other. He'd feasted and wenched and fought in a hundred battles. Uh, it is said that uh, it was Donald Noy who forged King Robert's Warhammer. Well, that's interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. The one that crushed uh, the life for Magar Targaryen on the Trident. He'd done all the things John would never do. And when he was old, well past 30, he'd taken a, a gracing blow from an axe. That wound had festered, and he loses his whole arm, and that's when he takes the black. Yep. Yep, so he's he's good. He's lived that life, you know. Um, I think it's interesting. He actually calls John. Um, he says, you are a bastard. It's a, They're trying to get into him, like, own who you are, you know. Yeah. Own the fact that you, like, like and Tyrion tells him later, you know, yeah, that I'm called the imp. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you embrace it. And that way, it, when, when you do that, you kind of disarm. You take that away from the bullies or whoever is saying that to you. You make it your own. You grin, you smile, you nod when they say it, and you just figure out a way to to take that that uh, piece of ammunition away from those who are trying to make you feel bad. Right. And, and, so, and, you know, I wonder if we're going to get this kind of dialogue from John maybe um, in a, in a uh, Winds of Winter, maybe if, if he does get resurrected by Melisandre, because you have, like, Daenerys who kind of has that inner monologue where she she's like, I'm the blood of the dragon you know, whatever kind of going forward, she kind of takes that and builds herself up as that. Yeah. Um, and then Jamie, 
keeps having those lines over and over in his head, what Tyrion says to him about Cersei. And that's kind of where Jamie really starts to be kind of come like the character he is um, now, like in the show and stuff like that, where he's kind of split from Cersei and he says, she's, you know, probably sleeping with moon boy um, too. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. that's kind of his inner thing going forward and forward um, and stuff like that. So maybe we will get one of those inner monologues with John. And that's kind of maybe where he's like, I am the bastard of Winterfell and he kind of finally takes it because everyone's kind of telling him right to like you have Mace Raymond kill the boy um, and stuff like that and so maybe John will kind of take that embrace it and move push himself forward mm-hmm. yeah so anyway so then he ends up leaving uh, the armory now uh, we I have a uh, thing um, highlighted here just kind of on the wall uh, by the time John left the armory it was almost midday the sun had broken through the clouds he turned his back on it and lifted his eyes to the wall blazing blue and crystalline in the sunlight even after all these weeks the sight of it still gave him shivers centuries of uh, windblown dirt had uh, pocketed and scoured it covering it like a film it had often seemed a pale gray this the color of an overcast sky but when the sun caught it fair on a bright day it shone alive with light a colossal blue white cliff that filled up half the sky mm-hmm yeah, yeah. He, he this is where he kind of has some flashbacks as they're as they're on their way. You know, as they had first spied Castle Black. You know, uh, looking at just this vast wall of ice, uh, an ancient stronghold that the Black brother Bl- Bl- Black Brothers. Um, you know, it was no Winterfell, uh, no true castle at all. Uh, and he kind of talks about the wall being behind Castle Black, and then the idea that. Um, it's not defended from the south, right. you know, uh, at all. It has it's super open and vulnerable. That's not its point. It's mm-hmm. just it's simply there to house men and to send them, you know, to the top of the wall to man it, you mm-hmm. know, uh, keep supplies and things like that. So it's a different type of castle and and, and keep. Um, as as you as you see in the show, they do a pretty good job of that, you know. Um, so <clears throat> yeah. Um, okay, so then he. Um so after that, he kind of this is when he kind of runs into uh, Tyrion, um, and he and Tyrion are uh, kind of talking, and Tyrion kind of says the same kind of says the same thing right here. Would you rather be called? He said. Uh, he, Tyrion calls him Lord Snow. He says, "Don't call me Lord Snow." Uh, the dwarf lifted an eyebrow. Would you rather be called an imp? Let them see that their words can cut you and you'll never be free of the mockery. If you want to give them a name, take it, make it your own. Then they can't hurt you with uh, with it anymore. Uh, then he tells them to come walk with me. They'll be serving uh, stew in the common hall by now and I could do it with a bowl of something uh, hot. So um, they end up kind of walking in. Um, they, they're about to get like some stew. John can... Uh, uh, just another passage I have here. John could taste the mockery there, but there was no denying the truth. The watch had built 19 great strongholds. Um, he's just kind of saying like, you know, this place is a dump. Um, the watch had built 19 great strongholds along the wall, but only three were still occupied. East watch on its gray windswept shore, the shadow tower hard by the mountains where the wall ended and castle black between them at the end of King's road. The other keeps long deserted, were lonely, haunted places where the cold winds whistled through black windows and the spirits of the dead uh, man the parapets. Uh, just, I just thought that was, you know, just interesting. That's where you can kind of get some describing of the current state of mm-hmm. the Night's Watch. And so not only is it not this kind of 
honorable place John kind of was thinking of. It's actually kind of like a dump and, yeah. you know, like it's not even well manned. Yeah. I mean, e- even in recent memory, you know, at one point, um, Castle Black had housed 5,000 fighting men, you know, with all their horses and servants and weapons. And now it was home to a tenth that number. So <clears throat> even at Castle Black, things have kind of, you know, gone down. And that's, I think that's recent memory. I think they're, it could, could you imagine, um, you know, if you have 19 different keeps and perhaps you get close to maybe not always 5,000, but across those different keeps, you've got a couple thousand in each. Right. That's 19,000 men if you had right. all of them. It just if you just had a thousand, and right, each we, of them. and we got to think about how hard it would actually to be to sustain that, and I think that's something that John kind of realizes later when he becomes Lord Commander, and something that like you and I had talked about about when Ned Stark talks about like um, when later John is talking about how Benjen and Ned were kind of coming up with a plan to kind of take back some of the gift, mm-hmm. and actually just like because I, I think it seems to me that it would make more sense to build like a town there. A lot, you know, build like towns across the wall because, you know, no one's going to want to go there because you go there basically they think, they think they go there to die, right? It's just cold and you're just going to live in the cold forever because I think part of the problem is that they're not fighting. If they were fight, if they actually viewed the wildlings as a threat and the others as a threat, then I think people would be more willing to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But because you never fight them, you know, you're going to get restless. Like, um, in a clash of kings when Catelyn goes to meet with Renly and she talks about how there's all these people there like they have they're basically mm-hmm. have to have tourneys because if they don't yep. like people are going to get unworthy they're going to leave like what's the, you know there's nothing going on here what's the point yeah well they'll leave or there was going to be turmoil and stuff in the camp and right stuff like that so yeah yeah that's a good point actually because they do that's why they go on the rangings and things like that and and the wildlings do raid from time to time yeah they do stuff, yeah but it's nothing that's that has been uh they mentioned the last great king beyond the wall uh, and, and, you know, Lord Stark having to go north and mm-hmm. um, and put that down and help the Night's Watch and things. Uh, but, yeah, it's and nothing like that. I mean, Mance is kind of it's it's like Mance Raider is amassing this horde. They know something is going on. Um, we admit, we heard that from Ned. But yet every with every passing year, the Night's Watch just gets more and more depleted. It's it's almost turned into, um, you know, if you don't want to kill somebody, it's just it's like it's that other option that you can give injustice. And that's yeah. really all that it has turned mm-hmm. into. Very few people like John and Benjamin, you know, actually choose to go to the wall, mm-hmm. you know, as you say. So interesting. Um, so yeah, let's see here. Something I was going to go back to. Um, oh, uh, Tyrion was kind of, you know, talking about what was beyond the wall. And, and John had talked about what his, what uh, Benjamin and the other Rangers had said, you know, just right. like, frozen lakes and you know snow and, and different things and Tyrion's like kind of being kind of joking but ask he asked about grumpkins and snarks again mm-hmm. and <clears throat> i actually think and i'm speculating here that i wonder if he has learned you know just hearing some of the like the likes of Alistair Thorne and right. <clears throat> Jor Mormont and Benjamin Stark and these other people talking about the others mm-hmm. and not joking about it as right. Tyrion does and everyone else does in the south if you just heard them talk about that and you saw the looks on their face, sometimes you, you can tell someone's been there or they've mm-hmm. seen something just by the way in which they retell it to you. I really think that Tyrion was influenced in that way and that he does kind of wonder, what does John know? You know, does he know what's beyond the wall? Like, does he have, 
any idea. Um, he might just be kind of probing and asking, you know, in general. Uh, but I, I almost, in the back of my mind, I kind of think it's it's neat to think that Tyrion would go south with a better understanding of, you know, what is what's north of the wall. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. not just the wildlings, but but the others. Yeah, know? yeah. There's a line where he says, "Perhaps the grunk- grumpkins are hungry this year." Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So basically, then they, he, then Tyrion and John kind of get some stew, and then Alistair Thorne walks in, and uh, he says the Lord Commander wants to see you, and uh, it is kind of interesting. Tyrion says like you're frightening him. He's like I have a place at court. We kind of have that line where it's the same in the show where he says I can send you men or send you nothing. Right. Um, so basically, then um, he says it's about he says it's about your it's about your brother. And uh, he races up to Jorah Mormon's kind of his room. And uh, this is kind of where we get the first Jorah Mormon thing. Uh, Jorah Mormon, Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, was a gruff old man with an immense bald head and a shaggy gray beard. He had a raven on one arm and he was feeding it kernels of corn. I am told you can read. He shook the raven off as it flapped its rings. Uh, and flew out the window where it sat watching Mormont uh, as he drew a roll of paper from his belt and handed it to John. Corn uh, muttered the the bird. Corn, corn. Uh, John kind of rips it open and it says that uh, basically Bran's gonna live. And I just have this line written down here. I think it's just think it's interesting as we continue our three eyed crow um, mm-hmm. things. My brother's going to live, he told Mormont. The Lord Commander shook his head, gathered up a fistful of corn, and whistled. The raven flew to his shoulder, crying, "Live." Mm-hmm. You know, now it could just be, you know, the bird. Yeah, you heard, you heard, uh, you know, John. There's say. a lot of interesting things uh, about this bird as we go forward, like where it lands and says "King, King." And uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, and, and you <clears throat> just want to pay attention to what the bird says. It's interesting, but yeah, for right now, it's yeah, right now. Um, so basically, then John is kind of like running around Castle Black, like saying, "You know, my brother's gonna live." Everyone's kind of looking at him weird. So he runs back into the hall uh, where they're eating. And he kind of apologizes uh, to Gren. Um, he says, I'm sorry about your wrist. Rob used the same move on me once, only with a wooden blade. It hurt like seven hells, but yours must be worse. Look, if you want, I can show you how to defend that. Alistair Thorne overheard him. Lord Snow wants to make take my place now, he sneered. I'd have an easier time teaching a wolf to juggle than you uh, will training this aurochs. Uh, I'll take that wager, Sir Alistair, John said. I'd love to see Ghost juggle. John heard Gren suck in his breath, shocked, silence fell. Then Tyrion Lannister goffed. Three of the Black Brothers joined and from a table uh, from a nearby table, the laughter spread up and down the benches until even the cooks joined in. The birds stirred in the rafters, and finally even ga- even Gren began to chuckle. So uh, Alistair never took his eyes from John as the laughter rolled around him, his face darkened, and his sword hand curled into a fist. That was a grievous error, Lord Snow, he said uh, at last in the acid tones of an enemy. Yeah, and that's, I think, really, I don't think, just the way Alistair Thorne is, there's no going back, coming back from that one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He, um, uh, you know, I mean, that's it's just, it's just it's John. I don't know. He's he's trying to mend things with 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 these, um, you know, his, his brothers, and they're more his age, closer to his age, uh, and things. And he just he's not real, um, you know. I mean, maybe he he wasn't trying to, you know, flaunt this in front of Alistair's you know, face or whatever. But again, it's, it's the response that he gives, mm-hmm. you know, um, to him. I mean, he could have, you know, s- simply said something like, I just want to, you know, try to help out. You know, I just want to, you know, 
if, if, if I can during the yard when there's spare time, not to take anything away from you, but I want to kind of, you know, show these guys some things on, on, on our own time, if that's okay, you know, and it'd be more of a question versus like, no, I'll take, I mean, he's really standing up to him and kind of pushing back. And it's, uh, it's interesting. It just, that's sort of what does cause the, uh, division and the, and the tension between the two of them. So, um, yeah, it's just a growing up chapter for me, you know, with, with John and, uh, him learning more about, you know, the, the wall and, mm-hmm. uh, Jor Mormont, um, Alistair Thorne, Donald Noy, um, you know, all of those characters and stuff. And, and we get, you know, some with, uh, Tyrion too, we can tell that he's actually, you know, um, learning up there at the, at the wall. Mm-hmm. All right. So, all right, there we go. We've, uh, we've got through all of that. Let's dive uh, into, into any, send, uh, send a Raven. Yeah. Uh, this yeah. is one, this is one we, we held off here. Um, Sam the Hammer. Um, a quick addendum to my previous Raven. He had sent us one a while back. I came across the following quote when Bran is traveling with cold hands. By day, only half a dozen half a dozen Ravens stayed with them, uh, fitting, uh, fitting uh, from tree to tree on riding on the antlers of an elk. The rest of the murder flew ahead or lingering behind. A group of Ravens is known as a conspiracy, referencing how unusual it is, or an un kindness or even a uh, constable but ne- uh, never a murder a murder is a group of crows Gur is definitely dropping breadcrumbs here and i just can't work out where it is going to lead okay uh do you want to read the do- original one yeah 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 um this is while back did we we did we read his original one or did uh, you, i, I think, think he we- actually sent it sent us to it and then he's made an addendum so yeah all right yeah so let me read his original one too so uh, good afternoon, my lords. Interesting that today's episode went up so heavily into the discussion of the Three-Eyed Crow and the quantity of green seers in A World of Ice and Fire. I've been intrigued by some references that you have made recently about the differences between crows and ravens and wonder what you think the differences are that could influence the interpretation of these characters. I've done a bit of digging on my own on this topic, and in generally, birds are uh, used interchangeably in literature and culture. Typically, they're, they are... Uh, both seem to represent death and magic. The only real difference that I can find between the two birds is that a raven is typically seen as a solitary bird, whilst a crow tend to fly in a group. Um, this seems to align with their usage in the book. The crows, the Night's Watch, are a band of brothers, whilst Blood Raven is more of a loner. Do you think this, that's a good point? That's a very good point. Very good point. That's cool. Um, do you think that uh, this could mean that the three-eyed crow is actually a network? Maybe a uh, maybe a current network of green seers like Brendan, or a historic network of crows that have previously held the title. Maybe this would explain uh, the pile of bones in Bran's dreams. Uh, again, there's a potential rabbit hole here linking Varys's little birds. Um, crows are typically seen. Crows are typically smaller than ravens. Mm-hmm. Gur refused to let. Uh, the Locke character be called Vargo Hope because the show changed him too much. Uh, maybe the show couldn't spend the time explaining the wider context of the three-eyed crow, simplifying it down to a single individual individual and therefore had to change it, his name to the three-eyed Raven. I expect the book will go further uh, with this character than the show will hope you will find some time to discuss this Raven or should I say crow? Awesome. Okay. So yeah, thanks uh, Sam. We appreciate it. Sam the hammer um, sends us, pretty regular correspondence mm-hmm. too so so we definitely appreciate it and i'm gonna go back and read the um just just the addendum, addendum here. Again, yeah. yeah so i i came across the following quote from when bran is traveling with cold hands uh by day only half a dozen ravens stayed with him 
flitting from tree to tree or riding on the antlers of the elk. The rest of the murder flew ahead or lingered behind. Um, and so, okay, so by day only half a dozen ravens stayed with him. And it seems like uh, the rest of the murder flew ahead or lingered behind. And then uh, he says, a group of ravens is known um, as a conspiracy, um, referencing how unusual it is, uh, or an unkindness, or even a, cons um, a constable, but never a murder. So, that, so what he's saying here is that, like, in that quote, we first call them ravens. Mm -hmm. You know, there's half a dozen ravens staying there, you know, um, and then the rest of the murder flew ahead or lingered behind. Um, a murder is a group of crows. Gur is definitely, you know, dropping breadcrumbs here. I just can't work out where it's going to lead. Um, yeah, interesting. I honestly would have to go look in the books a little bit more and and read that. I like add get get a little bit more context and and read about where every time every time they say raven or crow. Well, and even just this part with cold hands because yeah. you know it is. Yeah, how often did it? Was it just one time? Because, I mean, it's he's. I think he's pretty intentional in how he uses raven and then crow. Right. And so, if he was referring to a murder, the rest of the murder flew ahead or whatever. If that's a flock, if that's a group of, you know, crows, then is he distinguishing between the ravens, you know, and then other crows, circling them, uh -huh. you know, type of thing. So, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, it's definitely interesting. Um, I'm actually I'm trying to look up here the difference, the actual like breakdown between ravens and crows. Like, uh, I guess they are actually like different. I mean, obviously they're different birds, but they're mm -hmm. like I didn't know if they kind of intermingled with each other. You know how like some is it like wolves that are like have some dog in them or something like yeah. that, or they kind of have broken away from dogs or something like that. Um, and so I was just kind of uh, kind of looking at that difference. They are very similar. I guess a raven is a slightly larger bird. Yep. Yep. That's uh, what, than, uh, than, than a crow. That's what Sam said. Yeah. Yeah. So um, if you actually look at a side by side picture of them, you can kind of kind of tell the difference. We're gonna have to get a bird expert on here. Yeah. At, at we're, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Call the bird expert. And well, we're and we're gonna need and we're gonna need a, a chemist or a, somebody to break down the yeah what the potential velocity swing of valyrian steel if it were real like <laughs> right right i i do know that i think like like to me ravens seem a little bit more um like you, you uh, this is going to sound crazy but in like harry in, in harry potter you've got raven claws mm -hmm. and it's an elevated you know type of of bird compared to the crow the crow right. is, a, a, is, a, is like a lesser bird like, like, a, like a pigeon you know what I mean? like yeah it's like it's just a lesser Almost seems like a dirtier bird, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Seems crazy, but um, crows are—I think crows are scarier than ravens. Yeah, and and, and I don't—I don't know. Like they—they they teach, I don't know. They it just—it's—they're different. We probably should do a little bit more research before we really dive into this um, a lot. Because I've been thinking about, like as I've yeah. always said, the three-eyed crow versus the three-eyed raven. Why did they make that choice? And you know, Sam kind of talks a little bit about that, um, but. Um, as, as, as you read. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely interesting. Definitely something to think about. Um, yeah, totally. Thank you. Thanks Sam for sending us that, that on that. Yeah. I did not know it was called a conspiracy. That's mm -hmm. kind of cool. That's neat. Yeah. Yeah. That is actually really neat. Well, I think, I think one of the best things that he says here is that the crows, um, and he puts in parentheses, the night's watch 
our band of brothers, whilst Blood Raven is more of a loner. So, um, you know, as you said, like, or I think when he he said this, that ravens are typically seen as like solitary birds, mm-hmm. whilst crows tend to, you know, um, flock as a as a group. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, uh, this is from birdnote.org. Okay, uh, it, was, it was the first thing that came up. It said that uh, ravens um, often travel when they do travel. It says it's you know sam saying it's very unusual for them to travel in like a big kind of flock mm-hmm. it says here mostly they travel in pairs wow 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 that's, that's interesting, interesting. <laughs> yeah so yeah. maybe what if it is what if it's like uh to reference yeah something else here is we star wars what if it's like you know you kind of have like the master and the apprentice kind of a kind of a thing i mean not that ravens do that but mm-hmm. Maybe that's kind of what Gurr was thinking Gosh. as he was writing this. So if ravens travel in pairs, maybe it's you know. Yeah, I, I what I'll have to do, Sam, is I'll to, I just because I don't have it in front of me right now, and I apologize, but I'll I'll look at the uh, we'll go into the actual book here where you, where you pulled that quote from and mm-hmm. look right before, and you can do this too uh, if you want. Send it to us for Friday. You know, um, did he mention crows before he mentions the ravens? You know, because the sentence that you sent us. I can't tell if that's a period or if that's a comma. Um, after elk, is that a, is that a period? Uh, let, me, let me zoom in here. I'm pretty sure it is. So, and the re- the reason I say this is because if it's a, if they're separate sentences, I think they are. You know, then he could have been referencing crows earlier that were kind of behind them and in front that's of them. A period. And then he has ravens that are kind of, you know, uh, going from tree to tree, just kind of hopping along. And there's only half a dozen, so six you know, ravens versus a big flock of crows and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, kind of on the outsides, kind of like watching and keeping, keeping track of them and circling or, or whatever, you know, flew ahead yeah. or lingered behind, you know, um, where the ravens stay a lot closer. Mm-hmm. So think about that. Cold hands, th- the ravens are closer to cold hands because why, yeah. you know, is he, cause he's a crow more in league. Well, well, is he, yeah. if, and if he is a crow, then that's interesting, right? Yeah. If he actually is a, a crow right. um, and you've got, the crows are lingering behind, but they're flying ahead. And you've got ravens that are kind of like yeah. bouncing from tree to tree watching him. Are they guiding him? Yeah. And they're kind of, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I just thought of something Yeah, um, interesting here. And I just, I'll just, I'll just say this. Not maybe you guys could, I'm sure you guys will send us ravens. You can send us raven about it for Friday. Um, so you have blood raven who, right, becomes a three eyed crow and blood raven. Remember has like, you, you could almost argue, well, he, he is a bastard and he um, has like an injury, right? He has like a giant birthmark on his face and he loses an eye. And then you have Bran, who is now a cripple, right? Mm-hmm. So does maybe the three-eyed crow seek out specifically green seers or specifically, you know, you know, wargs or whatever, like maybe, 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 maybe they want Bran because Bran specifically is a green seer as well. But, you know, maybe people who are more adept who also have some corner, some some kind of injury or something. And that it makes it seem like the whole thing. Well, I can't teach you how to walk brand, but I can't teach you to fly. So it, it's kind of like offering some kind of like escape from reality, you know, like reality, like some way to. And maybe that would be more adept to people who'd want to try and do that. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's 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 a good point. Um, oh. There's so much to unpack here. And, and, and maybe, you know, maybe we shouldn't be trying to draw a big difference between crows and ravens. Um, but they do kind of seem to be associated with, with like Brand's mystical abilities, 
you know, um, communication, right? We're always sending ravens right. around. Um, and then the Night's Watch, kind of a supernatural feel. Both of them, you know, as, as Sam said, um, could be symbols of death and magic, you yeah. know. Um, I think, yeah. But, but it almost, to me, seems like there's two different things at work there, yeah. right? I, th- I think maybe, and in all, in all honesty, I think maybe the reason they went with Three-Eyed Raven as opposed to Three-Eyed Crow is like something like totally simple. Like I think maybe it was just because they didn't have time to dive into the Blood Raven character. They just said like Three-Eyed Raven as like a tiny simple nod to the fact that it's Blood Raven to the show, to the book readers. I think I think in terms of why the show did that, I think it's something like totally simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but the what's what's crazy though is is that like that's fine, that's easy to explain. But yeah. um, so that's never been my, my my big thing. It was why they named him uh blood uh, or I'm sorry the three the raven. raven I yeah. totally with you that's that's easy but I think what's difficult to understand is that that's why I've always said to you you know when you when you say uh Brendan Rivers is the three-eyed crow I always say is he you yeah. know yeah. um be, because my question if he is blood raven and then he turns right. into the three-eyed crow right what transformation happened there right yeah you know did he go to something darker is is well, the it may be- crow a a um you know, yeah. Well, what, does maybe. That, what does that symbolize? Because right. the, the crows and the ravens are used really for symbolism yeah. and for you know imagery and stuff like that. Well, to it could kind be. Of, it could be because he's had his third eye opened and he was a crow because he was at that point a member of the Night's Watch. Mm-hmm. So, like, maybe Bran won't be the three-eyed crow. Maybe Bran will be just I don't know. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of things that we haven't necessarily said yeah, before yeah, and no. stuff like that. So. I think what we need to do is is actually go and if you look around the chapters, um, as Sam just did with Cold Hands, that's a good one right. to look at where like the the ravens and things that, that, that are being used. Anytime where Bran, you know, um, Bran, um, I guess it would just be Bran. Yeah. Um, and maybe others, you know, around the Night's Watch are, are associated with or surrounded by a, a raven or a crow. Yeah. It's okay. just kind of neat to look at there and go. see. Dive into, what start diving are. into these smaller, smaller details to unlock, unpack bigger things about the. Yeah, it's weird world. because I, you you think it's a smaller detail, but it is. I think it's very well placed and specific. Yeah, I think the way you know Gurus talked about the way in which he reveals things, and he would he will put the he he does it in three steps. You know this this minute detail right here, this quote that Sam has given us, something very 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 small mm-hmm. here, um, that only your most you know, um, I don't know, passionate readers, avid readers would notice like, wait, what he's mentioning, you know, there's crows and ravens flying around here. These these people like what's going on. And they would notice that and they would try to pull it apart right there. Then later on, he'll be a little bit more explicit. He'll be, he'll kind of feed you a little bit more to kind of, he's building towards a big reveal. And then finally he just flat out tells you what's happening. Right. You know, that's, that's been his structure and revealing things like the red wedding. Uh, and things that are coming, people can look way back in the books and say, "Look, there's the first little trace of evidence that right. he was hinting that something dark was going to happen here." And then here's another one, and then the third stage is, "But boom, you know, it's upon you," and you know, mm-hmm. the climax. So, okay, all right, thanks, Sam. We appreciate it. Uh, all right, well, we want to uh, thank you guys all for support. Um, we have a knighting ceremony. Uh, yeah, time to man the wall. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, again, at patreon.com forward slash bend the knee. Uh, we've got T-shirts still ready to send out. Uh, um, and we've got knighting ceremonies. People um, 
can submit questions there. Um, kind of, you know, if you're if you're on Patreon, your your question, you send us something on there. Um, I haven't mentioned this before, but like it's almost kind of a guaranteed going to get on the show type of thing. Just oh, so you guys yeah. know. So mm-hmm. if you send me, a, uh, you know, an, um, a message there, uh, I'll make sure that, that gets in on Follow Up Friday or in the chapter reviews and things, and uh, and do some digging. So. Um, and it's also another way to directly either through email um, or through Patreon to to contact uh, me, Sir Ezra the Watchful. So mm-hmm. you know, all right. Um, our good friend Beverly. Yeah, yeah. Been talking to Beverly for a long time. Uh, she's good people, and uh, and uh, yeah. So this is this is for you, Beverly. In the name of the Warrior, I charge you to be brave. In the name of the Father, I charge you to be just. In the name of the Mother, I charge you to defend the young and innocent. In the name of the maid, I charge you to protect all women. In the name of the smith, I charge you to mend the broken. In the name of the crone, I charge you to seek wisdom. In the name of the stranger, I charge you to face death with sword in hand. Rise, Beverly of the Wolfswood. And to be honest with you guys, Beverly is a badass. As, yeah, she is. So watch out, friends. I think she has yeah. a black belt. I think she does. Have, I think she just got her black. She got belt. her black belt. Yeah, she's yeah. she's radical. I, I yeah. love Beverly. She's so cool. Yeah. I'm actually going to get to meet her soon. Um, we're going up to um, if anybody's in the area and wants to go up to uh, the Wizarding World of Kent, we're going to be yeah, up there with um, uh, some friends from yeah, some some other podcasting friends. Uh, so we'll be up there. And we're gonna we're gonna run into her. So, mm-hmm. but yeah. Um, Feel free to head over to uh, patreon.com forward slash bend the knee. Uh, it helps us do a lot of different things. Uh, I've mentioned, I think, in a, a past episodes, we want to go uh, actually meet George R.R. R. Martin, mm-hmm. the man himself. Yeah. Uh, one of our plans, we want to take uh, a couple of things and have him, have him sign those things, possibly do some giveaways, you know, and stuff like that. So uh, it's worth signing up for that. And, uh, you know, yeah. So Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so, okay. Um... I think it's uh, time to kind of sign off here. Mm-hmm. Sir Ezra, we want to thank you for playing the Game of Thrones. In our next episode, we will be discussing Chapter 20, Daenerys 2. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, if you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, like us, write a review, or leave a comment, or send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. We will see you in a week, and remember, fire and